Amen. It's time to live in the kingdom and be all that you were meant to be as you live in God's kingdom. Well, I wanted to personally express Happy Father's Day to each one of you who are biological dads, but also, and Felicia covered, really, um, all the kind, different kinds of dads there are, and even um, to those who have wonderful memories, it's a blessing to honor uh, fathers today, and for those who have difficult memories. Whatever kind of father you had, I want to make sure that we point to the most perfect, loving father who will perfectly meet every heartfelt need you and I will ever have. I had a, have a wonderful father who's here, happy Father's Day, Dad, and my children have a wonderful father, and um, yet not one wonderful father on planet Earth is perfect. Not one person can meet everybody's every need, yet God can. And so we want to lift up the name of Jesus and God our Father this morning, and how fitting, actually, that we come to a particular point in the Lord's Prayer that we're doing just that once again. Um, I know that for many of you, as we have unpacked a little, just a little, we really have only had little snippets of unpacking the Lord's Prayer. There's so much in it. But over these past weeks, it's become a very meaningful experience for me and reminded me again that this is not a prayer to just kind of mechanically memorize. There has been so much content packed into some very short phrases. And, you know, the prayer can actually be prayed in just under 30 seconds. Very simple, and yet it contains the framework for all prayer. So today we've come to this part that is it's actually not included in all the translations of the Bible, like the NIV, which so many of you are familiar with, and others, but it is included in our King James Version, the Old English Version, an Amplified Version, and the New American Standard. And uh, the ending to the Lord's Prayer that speaks of fulfillment, and it's this. It's on the screen in the yellow. Um, the whole Lord's Prayer is there. And then the, the highlighted portion, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus has set down an example, a pattern to model our prayers. And maybe you've noticed that this prayer in, these particular, uh, in this particular version ends similarly as it began. Our Father who art in heaven. And what I mean by that is we began with hallowed be thy name. And we end it with, for thine is the glory. We began with, thy kingdom come. And we end it with, thine is the kingdom. We began with, thy will be done. And we end with, thine is the power. We began with, on earth as it is in heaven. And we end with, forever. And many of us say, and ever. Amen. We're brought to the peak of praise, where the focus of our hearts and our minds is on the greatness and the majesty of God. Because if we fail to end there, really, we might be left with a sense of our problems, like needing more bread, needing forgiveness, needing deliverance, 
from the temptations of the evil one, rather than with the hope, as we end with, of their solution. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. We end on a high note of praise, knowing that he will. He will meet our every need, our daily bread, and so on. The Lord Jesus taught us the right place to begin, which is by honoring the name of God, and the proper way to end in this prayer, which is by praising God for his sovereignty and glory. So now as we look at this phrase, this doxology, which is a word of praise, it's important to notice some things, some of the things that flow from it, that remind us that ultimately it is all about the Lord. All of life is all about the Lord. It is all about the Lord because it is his kingdom. The universe is our master's plan, and he has created us to love us and then for us to love him in return and live out that love, to reveal his kingdom in us and through us, to show his power in our lives and bring him glory by everything that we do. That's a big charge. But we are up for it, aren't we? To the best of our human ability by the power of the Spirit. When Jesus sent out his followers to do good in the world, in Matthew 10, Luke 10, and Mark 9, he sent them with a series of instructions. And he said, this is what I want you to do in the world. I want you to go out and assist the poor and care for the sick. Share the good news by showing love. And he said, I want you to lift up the downtrodden and relieve the oppressed and establish justice. All of the good things he said we are to do is the demonstration of his kingdom being revealed in us. We were made for something, and I've said this many times before, we were made for something far bigger than ourselves. Thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for that. Far bigger than myself. For more than success, more than survival, more than living for self, we were made to live a fulfilled life by living in God's kingdom, by God's power, and for his glory. And to live in God's kingdom, it really means that I make God's agenda my agenda. To care about what God cares about. Usually, we live our lives caring about what we care about if we're honest with each other. And if you stop to unpack sometimes what we pour our energy into, um, do you ever ask the question, is this really something that is worth my focus, worth my concern, worth my worry, worth even my money? Is it something that God actually cares about? We have sung a song many times through the years, particularly maybe at Easter, and at other times, too. Uh, it's entitled Hosanna in the Highest. And part of that song says, Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause as I walk from earth 
into eternity. That's making God's agenda my agenda, your agenda. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spends a major section talking about worry because he knows that we as human beings are so prone to worry. He says, you don't need to actually worry about your health, your happiness, your security, your future, your relationships, your job, your family. Instead, what does he say? Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants. Then all your other needs will be met. Amazing, isn't it? Seek first God's kingdom. And I'm not saying that we should not love our families and be wise with goal setting with what God has blessed us with here on earth. But remember, God blesses whatever we put first. God blesses when we put him first, rather. God blesses whatever we put him first in. Because any time we put anything beside God in first place in our lives, we've actually replaced him then with an idol. So living in God's kingdom means making him front and center stage of all of life. His agenda becomes our agenda. And then we, we get to talk about what does it mean to live by God's power. In other words, live dependent upon him. Live dependent upon him. I once heard someone say, God blesses those who aren't self-reliant, but are God-reliant. The danger with a self-made person, and we do applaud people, those people for sure, those people who are super independent and, and they are entrepreneurial and they can make things happen and do things well. But the danger in all of that can be is that they can begin to worship their maker, the one who made all that happen. They can begin to worship themselves, in other words. Like you can begin to think, I did this. I created this. I made this happen. God blesses people who expect God to help them. Living dependent upon him. Seeking him first. And here's something pretty incredible. In Ephesians 3, Paul said, Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope or imagine. God says, I'm able to do far more than you, ever you, than you could ever imagine. And we read a quote by Mother Teresa this week that said, when you have nothing left but God, you have more than enough to start over again. When you have nothing left but God, you have more than enough to start over again. God can make more changes and do more work, I'm going to say in one minute, if he's doing it and in charge, than you and I can even accomplish in a lifetime. That's why it's never too late to surrender and join your life up with his allowing him to lead. 
live dependent upon him. It's never too late. We're never too old. There's never too many problems in our lives or too many things wrong in our lives. Live dependent upon God. Make him center stage of your life. And we can live in God's power. We can live in God's power by praying. Prayer is the greatest connection to God's power. That's why Jesus gave us a model for this prayer. In James, James said, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Because prayer and power go together. Our church puts great emphasis on prayer because we know that our power source to live out what God intends for every single one of us singularly and corporately as a church body is to be in prayer. Our power does not come from self. Our power comes from the Spirit of God at work within us and our connecting point to him. We live in God's power too by taking risks to obey God. This is really important because our faith really grows when it is stretched. And it's stretched beyond our comfort zone because then it becomes about him and not about us. If we're not taking risks in our lives, then we really don't need any faith. If I were to ask you, how many of you would like to see a miracle? Everybody would raise their hands, I would think and hope. We all want to see miracles happen. And God does a miracle when we make the first move, when we take that first step. He releases his power the moment that we step out in faith, trusting and believing in him. John Ortberg wrote a book. Many of you have read it. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. That's actually a Bible study, too. And I read a sign once uh, outside a church that I've never forgotten that kind of aligns with that. It said, never be afraid to go out on a limb because that's where the fruit is. That's where our faith in God is actually put to the test. And we see when we're willing to go out on a limb, to take a risk to trust God and his power, that's when we see the fruit. That's when our faith is stretched and grown. God's power shows up. It's important to know that the power does not come before. The power comes during, when you've shown God how much you trust him. I've said before, public speaking is my worst fear. But out of obedience to God, when we do the thing that we fear the most, who shows up? God shows up. Because it becomes about him and not about us. So don't wait to necessarily feel confident. If you feel God's calling you to do something, Step out, and God will be there. His power will show up. Living for God's glory looks like a lot of different things. 
this final point that I want to make this morning. I want to talk about living for God's glory and what it looks like. All of which are shown by God's Spirit living in us. And then from His Word. We know the verse that says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So living for God's glory is when we show love to everybody. Because God is love. And love, loving, shows what God is like. One of the ways that we do that is by simply accepting people. And we can accept someone and we can love someone without having to approve of everything they do. So no matter what people do or who they do it with, we're called to love and accept as God's created people. God loves you, but he doesn't necessarily approve of everything you do. Or I do. I believe it was Rick Warren, though, who said, God loves you so much that he won't let you stay the same. He will change your heart and your life. And scripture says, warmly welcome each other. That means accept each other into the church just as Christ has warmly welcomed you. Then God will be glorified. Being loving brings glory to God. And living for God's glory also means having a spirit of unity as followers of Jesus. There was a purpose for the unity that the writer Paul speaks of as he says from Romans, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus, then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul recognized that followers of Jesus had to become one in mind and mouth so that in true unity they could praise and glorify God. Paul writes it this way, probably to make us remember the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He humbled himself to take on human nature and to die on the cross. That was God's gift to mankind. He was given to unite every people from every tribe and nation into one, to the praise and glory of God. Paul wanted the church in Rome to work towards that one spirit. So Paul encourages us to live in unity with each other for, his, for God's glory. And he gives a reason because Christ also received us for that purpose. We were sinners and unclean, but Christ received us through faith in him for the glory of God. Therefore, we should receive each other as well, for we are all sinners that have been cleansed and saved in Christ's blood so that we can do all that we were created and united for, for the glory of God. That is the purpose of our lives. It can become so complicated and hard as a church family sometimes. I know that. Just as in biological families, we have many different viewpoints 
sometimes even theological understandings and even misunderstandings. But by God's grace, to bring glory to God with our lives, we need to learn how. How to have conversations. How to have open dialogues that do not lead to disunity where there's no gossiping or fragmentation in the bride of Christ, the church. God is glorified by unity, which is according to Christ Jesus, that has him, him, as the standard and measure. Let's be that church that stands out, stands up as a unified body to the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power, and yours receives the glory forever and ever. God, I pray this morning that you would help us individually and collectively to live in your kingdom by how we live our lives. Living by and in your power and living for your glory. Giving our entire life, Father, to you, to be used for your kingdom to be revealed in us and through us and your power to shine forth God, make us people that desire to do that, to have a oneness in body, mind, and spirit to live for you. To love one another as you have loved us. And then love us, Lord, um, and, and allow our hearts and our minds to be so transformed by that love that we desire to live like you. Help us, Lord, just to accept one another and follow your heart and help us to live to the glory of God. Help us to remember this beautiful prayer and respond to you in surrender as we've been talking about over these weeks in dependence, humbling, seeking, cleansing and deliverance daily to live completely for you so that we can know and experience the fulfillment and the joy of a relationship with you, our Father, our perfect, holy Father, who is worthy of our praise. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to sing that song, Worthy. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve our praise. Worthy is your name, Jesus.